Hello, good morning. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Kelly Dioria, and I'm one of the worship leaders here. Uh, my parents are pastors Jamie and Kim, and I am also one of the ones who just got back from the missions trip to Africa, which was absolutely amazing and life-changing and honestly no words to describe, So, but I'll do my best. Um, I wanted to start with a couple pictures. My mom spoke, uh, did, did a, like a women's conference there, and this is, sorry, I can't see very well. Yeah, this is some of the ladies, and this is uh, her and the pastors, Pastor Annene, um and Clarette. She was, my uh, Pastor Annene was translating with my dad, and then she was doing here for, with my mom to the women's conference. So this is them speaking. She did an amazing job. She talked about Esther and um, them being queens. This is um, all the ladies. I think that one time there was around 200 there, and they're holding up their little pouches that we gave them from you guys that all sent jewelry, and we were able to bring it to them. And these are some of the pieces that they had and they got, and they were just so thankful and blessed and just felt so seen by God. Um, some of them didn't speak any English at all, but they wanted to make sure I got a picture so that I could come back and show you guys and say how thankful that they were. Um, this, yeah, so cute. Um, so anyway, so the the conference went amazing. I, I got to hold this little baby. I didn't know at the time that it was a new mother that had been coming. And I don't, I don't know the situation, but I think she may be... I know the husband's not coming if she has one. And so it was just a cool little thing that I got to just come and bless her. All, not all, but all about probably 40 out of the 200 had babies attached to their back with the wraps. And you didn't even see them. They were quiet, most of them. And, and, uh, this, uh, this mother that came, I got to hold the baby for about four hours. Four hours for us is, is a long time. It's in the, in the heat, there's no AC. It's an open building and it's very hot. And, uh, but it was just a blessing to be able to give back so that she could go and receive. Um, not all of us were good with the children. Um, Carrie actually said hi to one of the little boys and he had clearly never seen a white person before and he screamed <laughs> and ran out the building and he wouldn't stop crying for about five minutes. <laughs> It's pretty funny. Uh, uh, she, he warmed up later, but it was, it was it was funny. But anyway, it was a great time of just getting to minister. They they actually told us that four hours is not enough. They said four hours is not enough. Next time, we want the whole day, the whole day. <laughs> They're just so hungry and just thirsty and hungry for uh, God's word and, and what God wants to say to them. So it was just an awesome time. I actually got to also speak to the worship team. Um, funny story. So we show up, this is night one. We show up and all the, the ladies are dressed in like, they're really nice. You know, it almost looks like prom dresses and stuff. And my dad's like, Oh, isn't that so sweet? They wore their best for us. They dressed up just for us. Come to find out. No, they do a night of worship and they come in their best on the nights of worship. And it had nothing to do with us being there. <laughs> they do that. They do that occasionally. So I got to speak to the team. Um, their, their team is just amazing. Their, their worship is 
they, a lot of, in a lot of ways, they get it even more than we do. They, they just know how to worship. They know how to engage. Maybe technically they don't have some of the same stuff that we have, but their hearts, are, they are worshipers, and they're phenomenal at, at a lot of what they do. Vocals, they're amazing. So it's, we learned, we came away with a lot of things too. So it wasn't just us giving to them, which was awesome. So my parents, um, I actually told them when I shared with them, I said, you know, I said, hey, my name's Kelly. I have three boys. I told them, you know, a little about my life. And then I, and I also said, I, here's some things that I, um, I really don't like. One is lightning and two is public speaking. So I actually, this morning, this is no lie. I've been having allergies and sinuses since I got back. It's very dusty over there. And I woke up this morning and I took a COVID test and I'm like, please, God. He's mean though. (laughs) He made me do it anyway. Um, anyway, I just wanted to share a couple things that I, that I told them that, that, uh, a little bit of my testimony and, um, things that I wanted to share with you guys as well. Um, I grew up in the church. My parents were the pastors for my whole life. I grew up all, all of my life as a pastor's kid. I was very involved. I went on many missions trips. I was in the worship team. I just was really on track, private school, you know, just very on track with my life. Um, But then I felt like as I got older, I didn't fit in with all of the rest of the people that I, you know, my friend group. I didn't, I didn't fit in. I, um, I started to kind of take a, a turn in a different direction. I had, we were Southern Baptist back then. So a lot of rules and a lot of, you're not allowed to do this and you can't do that. And so I, I just kind of started as I got older going, well, maybe I want to do those things. And so I, I did, I pulled off of the path that I was on and I got into really heavy drugs and substance abuse and was doing that for many years, very hardcore put myself in a lot of dangerous and life-threatening situations um, and just was spiraling and I hit rock bottom many times had to be kicked out many times I just it was it was a rough time of my life Um, through that God had given me divine appointments occasionally and a lot of them I just didn't I didn't pay attention to didn't you know, want to see. But one that stuck out in particular is I was out at a club and one of my friends was like, Kelly, you should come to this church I've been going to. It's awesome. It's like, not like, not like other churches. It's actually cool and it's good. And the pastor's amazing and blah, blah, blah. She's, and I'm like, okay, what, where is it at? What? And she's like, it's, it's in Cape Coral. It's called the vineyard. It's pastor Jamie Stilson. (laughs) I was like, that's, that's my church. So my church that I was definitely not going to or having any part of, but I I really like, it hit me of like, you're going to invite me to my own family's church. (laughs) So it was one of the steps that, that helped me get back among many other and people praying for me and, um, getting back into church and coming back around and many years of coming back to church, I, I really was here, but I wasn't involved. And uh, I got 
somebody was mean and told my dad, or my dad was mean and told the worship leader at the time that I sing. So that started that process. And, um, I used to be really timid and they'd, they'd be like, put the mic closer. We can't hear you. And I've clearly grown out of that. So, and, um, so anyway, so God called me into this position of being the worship leader. And I, I actually said no originally. I was very reluctant to be the leader. I did not feel like I had enough qualifications. I didn't feel like I had enough knowledge or education or skills or all, all the things. Um, it just wasn't something. I really loved my role at being the support to the leader. That was the, that was the best job. <laughs> and then in it, at the end of the day, I, I had when I had start coming back to church, I had given God three commitments. And my one commitment was to give Jesus my yes all the time. So when this position came up, I, even though I didn't want to do it and I didn't think I had the ability, I had committed to say yes, so I did. And I know you've heard my parents preach about it, but God doesn't give you the grace for something until you actually step out and, and do it. You don't have the grace ahead of time. So you think you, you can't do it and and you can't in your own strength, but God gives you the, that grace and that, um, ability in his strength. Once you step into those things that he's called you into. So I also really committed to taking on this role and investing and raising up other leaders because I think it's just so important in the church, whatever God has put in you to pass along to as many as you can. Um, I won't always be here. My, my parents won't always be here. And it's about investing in those coming behind as much as God's given you. I feel like we need to be giving out to others. So and then the third thing that um, I committed to was to listen and follow the Holy Spirit's lead. And so I just want to encourage you, the, those three things, um, it's not just if you're in any kind of church leadership position, but um, we can all give Jesus our yes. We can all invest in others, the things that God has put in each one of us. We can invest back into others. And we can follow the Holy Spirit's lead and direction because that's, that's just the best way in life is to follow his lead. And it's not just when we're around, but it's also at home when we're on our own, you know, asking for his direction, asking for him to guide us. And, um, so I just wanted to encourage you guys with that. And with that, Pastor Jason. Got forced to speak for the first time over in Africa, and then it's like it's too good. You got to do that back home. Got to bring it. It's like, okay, but it's going to be short. Two minutes. Nah, more, more. Thank you so much for your prayers consistently, man. It is. Uh, it's been. It's been. Uh, it's been a whole thing for us to get there and get back. Kelly didn't just uh, preach, but share with you some, some pictures and videos. She also helped to lead worship while we were there. And uh, they kind of did like a little worship swap thing. They, they sing mostly in Kurundi. That's the national language that they speak. They also all speak French. Uh, they don't really sing in French, but they speak in French uh, and sing in Kurundi. And then... Uh, some of them speak English. They, with us there, 
worked a little bit on English. So they, you know, they got YouTube. They're always watching worship videos from us. They're like throwing out like, well, do you ever, what do you think of this worship leader? And I'm like, guys, I'm not a music person. Like, I, I, got, I don't know who that is. And they're like, you don't know this person? And they're like throwing out like Americans. I'm like, sorry, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not there with you. But they're, they're constantly listening and growing. So they, uh, they sang Waymaker together at church on Sunday. who speak Spanish, it seems like you all say like every other letter. You talk really fast and you skip a lot of letters. When they sing in Karundi, the word is like 18 letters long, but they only hit about four letters in the word. It's really difficult to follow. So Frank and Kelly sat down on Saturday for hours and uh, and she learned to, to lead a song in Karundi, which meant just the world. But it's just so good to see our team get to grow and step into all that God has for them for the future. But it doesn't come without cost to get there. And I know you all have been praying for us. We need those prayers. We're so thankful for those prayers. It's like a 30-hour journey to get there. It's even more getting back. Uh, getting back, we're like running through airports because of delays, barely making flights, um, if you guys could put up the photo, this is us leaving Bujumbura. This is after, took two and a half hours to get into the airport. The plane was delayed, so we sat in the airport for two hours there. And then you go outside to get on the plane. They're loading bags up on the back side of the plane. And that was the last time that any of us have seen our luggage. <laughs> I'm relatively somewhat confident that it, I can tell you it's on one of three different continents. I don't know which continent, but they keep saying, oh yeah, it's coming. It'll be here soon. It'll be here soon. Maybe. Hopefully. Prayerfully. But as Kelly said, when God says, go, you, got, you give him your yes. You say, All right, I'm going to go where you call me. I'm going to do what you call me to do. And, and sometimes those take some really big and difficult steps. Sometimes those steps feel really risky. Right, so over the past month, and I know Pastor Charles went through all that God's been doing, 
Uh, last week, he talked about how we had the conference, and so we were ministering to like all states throughout our region. And then we sent a team to Puerto Rico, so we're over there. We have a team in, in Africa, and on top of that, we do all of our local stuff with our dinner church and, and our community outreaches and stuff. And so we've been everywhere, all over the place. It's been a long uh, run for our team, and through the conference, God was really good to show up. By, by the end of the conference, I speak for myself, I was shot. I was, I was toast. I woke up Friday sick. And you start taking back, like tracking through, like what, what is going to come of that. So started testing and testing. Unlike Kelly, I was praying for negative results. Because uh, I, I wanted to get to go. But the fear is, well, you know, when you land, first of all, you got to test to get on the plane. That happened Sunday after church, and all of us cleared. I was still testing negative at that point. But you know, when you land on Wednesday night, you're tested. And if you are positive, then you've got a quarantine in Africa, and that's not really the way to spend a missions trip. Tuesday morning, I tested positive. And so now there's this thought of what do we do? How do we feel? We don't know what the cost is once you get into Africa. But I had passed my five-day U.S. CDC quarantine. 30 hours of flight with a mask sounds really exciting. I know you would be loving it. Trust me. But it's a difficult call for me. And then am I going to get thrown into Burundi jail when I arrive? I don't know. And my wife's like, you're going to go and you're going to get me sick there. And then I'm going to test positive and they're not going to let me leave. Telling this to Jamie on the phone. He's like, do you want me to talk to her? I'm like, yeah, you better. (laughs) CT was positive uh, this, the day before he tested positive, so uh, Kelly's husband. So there was a lot swirling around us, but it's this thing of if God's called us to go, he's not going to just leave us in the background. He's not just going to forget about us. So we said, hey, let's go in prayer and faith. We're going to go. We're going to see where God leads and what God does. And I don't know the science behind how these COVID tests work because I just don't know the science of anything or how anything works. But Wednesday night, my test was negative again. And I was all good. And there's this moment where it's like, can you let fear derail you? Yes, you could. Or has God called us to something greater and something more Valuable. We got there and it's so good to get to see our pastors leading out and speaking. Kim taking time to speak. That's our translator, Jared, who is with us all the time. And then Jamie's up speaking and leading and consistently challenging their entire church to take steps of faith and to follow after God. And uh, they spoke a lot about Mary and Martha and Jesus. We'll actually spend a little bit of time in Luke chapter 10. If you want to grab your Bibles, uh, we'll be there in a second. But this is their church um, last Sunday morning. And you can see it's full. Their space is larger than our space. And it is packed out uh, every time that the church is open. They're there. And this, uh, if you gave in December, this is that new roof that we helped put on their building. It's an open-air building. Um, they have to set up and tear down every week. It's, it's a lot of work. But the roof protects them from I mean, the heat. It does rain a little bit. It rained even while we were there. Um, so thank you, those of you who gave faithfully, because it was so good to get to be with their people and see all that God is doing among them. Burundi is the poorest nation in the world. 
It is, it is just, it, it, to, to try to describe what life is like there is so incredibly difficult. And this picture doesn't speak to that unless I give you some context that this line of cars here in the middle is not driving. They're all pulled off to the side. They are in line waiting to get gas. There is no infrastructure in this country. It is whatever is there in front of you is what your options are. There's been no beef in that country for months. There's just chicken or fish out of the lake. There is a, such a gas shortage right now that you, when you need gas, you get in line and you are staying in line until there is enough gas at that station that eventually you get to pump gas. Some taxi drivers, that's their livelihood is driving, is commute, is tra- they'll spend three days in a row in this line, not going home, not seeing their family. They're just in line waiting for gas so that they can get back to work. You know, we are in the city. It's not, uh, it's not out in the bush in Africa. You're in downtown city, concrete everywhere, and uh, some dirt spots, some dirt roads, and people consistently out carrying things like this. And so we asked our, our, our team, the pastors there, what, what is, how does everything work? And so she said, it stuck with me so much. If you see somebody out carrying fruit or vegetables to the market, that is a really good thing. That means that what they've grown has produced, and now they're able to go and sell and provide for their family. So you just see all the times people selling whatever they can just to try to make a way. But you see a really amazing heart throughout these people. I've been to, been blessed to be to a lot of different third world places, and it's usually pretty similar, but it really stood out in, in Burundi, just their heart of hope and joy in the midst of immense trials. Some tests that I don't know if I'm honest, I could pass. I am really comfortable, excuse me, I'm really comfortable in my life and and appreciate all the comforts that God has given me. I know most of you, you're just like, I could sell everything and go in a heartbeat. I know you're more, you're more spiritual than I am, but it's, it's a such a difficult life that they lead, yet they are able to find such joy and hope in God. I want to look at Luke chapter 10 verse 38 to the end of the chapter and um, see kind of this encounter. Jesus has just been with his disciples doing ministry, preaching. In fact, the story right before this is Jesus telling the parable of the Good Samaritan, the most famous parable in the world. And he leaves there and they travel across the country in verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Martha does not struggle for boldness. She comes right up to Jesus and says, Jesus, I need you to do something for me. Man, that's, that's, that's pretty bold right there. She says, Jesus, go tell my sister to come help. You see, here's the problem with Jesus and the disciples. They did not call ahead. 
They didn't text Martha and say, hey, we're going to come by. There's going to be about 15 of us coming to hang out at your place. Could you be ready for us? No, they're just going. Jesus following the leading of the Holy Spirit. They go into this city, Bethany. And as far as we know, this might be the first encounter Jesus has with Martha. Walking through the city, the Holy Spirit highlights her and her sister Mary and her uh, brother Lazarus. And Jesus says, hey, we're coming over to your place. This is where God's leading us. And in that moment, Martha has to prepare her place for them. That culture, it's like Burundi culture, it's very focused on hospitality, on serving, on how can we care for you. And so Martha knows she has a role to play. As Jesus and his disciples are coming in, she has to get ready. But Mary makes a different choice. She says, I'm going to sit and listen to Jesus talking. I'm going to sit and listen to Jesus teaching his disciples. And so she does that. You heard Martha complain about it. Look at Jesus' response in verse 41. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered. You are worried and upset about many things. Just going to leave that thought there for you. I know in our world, it's easy to be worried and upset about many things. And there is pressure in our culture, in our day, greater than ever before. There is pressure. Jesus, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better, and it will not be taken away from her. He responds to her and says, listen, Martha, I know there's a lot going on around you, but there is something that's more important. You can have a ton of great focuses in your life, but there is one that is more important and greater than anything else you or I will ever focus on. It's so much easier in our culture than in Burundi to become distracted, to become worried and upset about many things. But there is one thing that is more important than anything else that will ever come up in our lives. This is why they're able to have this great joy that it can often be difficult for you or I to find. Even in the midst of the pressure and crush of what life is like in Africa, it's so different from here, but yet so much joy and hope because the focus is easier to keep on Jesus. That I'm going to trust Jesus. I'm going to put my hope in Jesus. I'm going to believe for Jesus to come through for me here. Whereas for us, the pressure kicks in and it's like, well, I can go trust what this doctor says or I can go research whatever I want on YouTube or I can just choose to go this other alternative medicine doctor or there's all the different options. And I know one of the things that we've seen throughout COVID and especially in this last year uh, that we've seen is it's across the board in every church in the U.S., it's just the ways that COVID has rocked this 
specific point in our lives, that our priorities have shifted a little bit. If you remember back to April 2020 and the, the sky is falling and the world is blowing up and it's like, how can we gather? How can we be together? How can we still seek Jesus and see Jesus? And it's some of the greatest numbers we've ever seen because nobody knows what tomorrow is going to bring and are we even going to survive this and how do we get out of it? And now two years later, it's like, yeah, COVID's a part of life. It's just kind of around us. So whatever, you want to go to the beach? Like, let's go hang out. Let's go chill. Let's go. And so what, what drove us to Jesus initially now has allowed within us, and we, I have so many conversations, especially when our snowbirds are down, because they haven't gotten to be here. So many conversations with people saying, yeah, you know, I've just gotten out of the rhythm of seeking Jesus. I've just gotten out of the rhythm of going to church. And obviously, hey, you're here. Right? So in some senses, I'm preaching to the choir, but in other senses, we see it a lot in like what used to be like, I'll be there, I'm going to be at every week, I'm going to be around, because that's where Jesus is. That's where I need to be. I want to be sitting at the feet of Jesus. And now it's like, yeah, once a month, because the other three weeks, I've got these other things going on. And I get it. Usually those other things are good things. They're great things. We got back uh, Thursday night and Friday where, you know, it's school time. I got to get the kids ready. And we're looking at summer or uh, fall sports and all that. And if both my kids are going to do soccer like they both want to, that means I'm going to be at the soccer fields five days a week from September through December. That's just the reality of if they're both going to do that, that's going to be the cost. It's a good thing. But if it becomes a good thing that pulls us out of what God wants to do, then it's a bad thing. That's no longer a good thing. So it's just something that was so clear to us as we're with people. We're there, you know, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. We are at their church doing things every day. And those, you know, 500 plus people who call that church home, they're there Thursday, Friday, Saturday. They're like, you got something else going? We'll be there. Frank, who sang with Kelly on the video, who taught her Karundi. Frank, it takes two hours for him to get to church. Their, transpor their transportation system has kind of collapsed. He's got to like jump buses and stuff. It's insanity. Um, at one point I was, uh, I was with, Cedric, one of their sound guys, and he drove me out to lunch, and on the way back, he offered to let me drive, and I was like, dude, I don't want to die. You drive. I'm good driving here at home. I am not driving in Burundi. Not going to have, there, uh, where, how did we get here? Uh, two hours for Frank to get to church. Two hours to get back home. Every day, he's doing that. Every time there's service. Why? Because where Jesus is, is where I want to be. Let me just encourage you from being with our brothers and sisters in Burundi that there is nothing more important than to go where Jesus is leading and where he is. I want to show you a few more pictures, but while I do that, you can turn in your Bibles to Proverbs chapter 8. So, Tali, I need you to click back into, uh, yeah. So, we did a women's gathering, but we also did a men's gathering as well. We had to go to like a separate restaurant room place. I'm not really sure. Um, but there was about 80 of us, 70, 75 guys that, that went over here. And Pastor Jamie 
got to preach and speak to all of them and, and challenge them on how their relationships with their father have impacted their relationships with God, their father. And this is a consistent thing. It doesn't matter what culture you're in, uh, where you live, that each of us men, you, you have a father that has raised you or not been present and raised you, and that will especially affect how you relate to God. It, it, it's a thing for women as well, but men need male role models. And so that, that has a great impact to the point where, and in his book, Wild at Heart, which many of you will know, John Eldridge says that, that every man has a father wound that affects how they relate to God. Now, there are, I think, some occasions where that might not be true. It might not be every man, but if it isn't every man, it certainly is almost every man has these issues. So Jamie preached on this for an hour. And although they're really good at showing up, they're not really good at getting ministry. That's two sides of a coin where we could learn a lot from their faithfulness. They could learn a lot from our willingness to receive, especially within this church. It's something that for the Kinanira Vineyard Church in Burundi that they still need to kind of farm and establish that as a vineyard, we receive from God. We do what we just did over these kids where we lay hands on them and we pray for them and we invite the Holy Spirit to come because that's the most important moment in this morning was when we prayed over those little kids and over those teachers or when at the end of service our prayer team prays over you because that's where the Holy Spirit shows up. Jamie preached for an hour this amazing message on that that these guys really needed to hear. And goes into ministry time. And no one responds. He makes another call. This is mostly 20 to 35 year old men in the room. Right those ages where you're dealing with these issues from growing up. Second time. Third time. No response. Fourth time. And they finally start responding to say, I need Jesus to work in my life. Five whole guys do. And so we go into prayer, we pray over them, and, and it's, it's, for those couple guys, it's really good, and, and uh, it's, it's taken a long time to get to that point, because what we thought would just be a call, pray, move on, it took a little bit more work. So we've kind of sailed past break time, but I'm, I'm in that mode, man. I, you know, it's been a little bit, I gotta go to the restroom, and, and Jamie needs a break, I know, to kind of reset to get ready. So Jamie, Jamie says, all right, well, he wasn't expecting this. And I go, I hear it through the translator. I'm like, oh, no. He says, but Pastor Jason is here. And I'm like, oh, don't do it. Don't do it. And he's going to share a word with you. <laughs> yeah, he is. Hold on. Let me grab this and uh, come up and... What are we doing? Pre- okay, uh, open, open my Bible. Thankfully, I'd been been journaling and could go to a different spot in Proverbs and, and, uh, and open it up and say, all right, this is what I feel like God's saying. Now, the Holy Spirit was definitely there in that moment. Holy Spirit definitely gave me, I think, the right words for that moment. But you also, you walk off uh, after like doing like a 10-minute kind of thing so that we could get prepared for the next section. And you walk off and you're like, wait, what did I just talk about? I just, I just preached to Africans. As the American, I just preached to Africans about being humble. Okay, that was, that was a solid content choice. But God was there, and, and so, and then in that moment, Jamie's able to shift back into like, alright, 
we've seen something that we need to hit on. We need to learn how do we receive from God. And so he gets to preach more on that. And then we closed in that, in that room with some worship. And it was just one of the most powerful moments of worship. Just as you have 75 guys. Listen, I know our men's retreat are awesome. Uh, it's coming up in October. Ladies, sign up for women's retreat. Men, that's coming soon. Um, it's awesome to get to worship together. Sorry, guys. This was a little bit better. And then we got to pray over them too. Just something about that room and the Spirit of God in that moment just showed up. And it was so good to get to be with them. Proverbs chapter 8. If you want to go with me there, you know, as we talk about kind of consistency and seeking out God and being with him, hopefully you've been with us on this journey through Proverbs. You know, every day we're setting aside some time to hear from God. Today is August 7th. So hopefully before church, and if not, then after church, go read Proverbs chapter 7. This morning on our Facebook, you saw a new video come from Pastor Jamie, about 90 seconds on one of the verses in Proverbs chapter 7. If you've got the Cape Vineyard app and your notifications are turned on this morning at 8 a.m., you got a notification, a reminder to go journal and spend your time with God because hearing his voice matters so, so much in our lives. And in Proverbs chapter 8, wisdom is speaking. And, and we know that when wisdom speaking, that means that Jesus is speaking. That's where wisdom comes from. So I'm going to read you these verses as though Jesus is speaking to you. Proverbs 8 verse 34. He says, blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Our consistency to seek after Jesus matters so much. We don't just seek after him just to do things like Martha was doing. And we can't just like some of these Burundi guys just kind of get close to Jesus, but just be around him without giving him any space to work in my life. Mary learned and found the secret of sitting at Jesus' feet, waiting for him. And this is something that you and I need so desperately. Blessed are those who listen to me, watching daily, daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. Because there is nothing more important for us to seek after. I know there's other things. But as we kind of, you know, we call this this day back to church Sunday. School starts on Wednesday and we start kind of reestablishing rhythms, getting out of the summer relaxation mode. And how do we reestablish rhythms? A rhythm that we've got to reestablish is this waiting on the Lord. It's saying, Jesus, that you are the most important thing for me to seek after, to chase after, to go after. There is no priorities that are greater. And wherever Jesus is, I'm going to go there. Blessed are those who listen to me, he says. Watching daily, daily at my doors, waiting at my doorway. For those who find me find life 
and receive favor from the Lord. You want hope? You want favor? You want expectation? You want the good things that God has for you? Those don't just come flippantly because you just were kind of around Jesus. We get those moments, we develop those gifts in our lives by taking time to consistently choose to be with him, to be close to him, to be near him. There's nothing more important that's gonna come up than choosing to be around and be with him and all that he does. And he's so good to show up in our lives. For those who find me, find life and receive favor from the Lord. One last thing I want to share with you about our trip to Bruni. One last thing that really kind of stood out to me. And then we'll, we'll wrap up. Vitaly, if you could go back to the photos there. It's so important to have the right uh, people around you. This is uh, their worship, or I'm sorry, this is their youth and young adult team um, that oversees basically 13 through 30-year-olds growing up and developing. And Carrie and I got to sit with them on Sunday night for a couple of hours, just the eight of us hanging out and talking, and it was so much fun. It was so good to get to be together with these six other people who have just grown so close to each other. Out of tragedy, out of difficulties, out of a lot of hardship even within the church that they've served through and led through. But they've developed this relationship and you see it all around in their culture that it's, it's a whole group of people that lives together. That worship team is a team. They are united. They walk together. They sit after service and they sit and it's their team that's sitting and hanging out together. It's their team that goes out to lunch together because they're friends, because they've developed relationship. And sometimes that's difficult. You know, this photo represents right now two churches. And I believe that in 15 years, that photo will represent about four churches because each one of those couples is going to go plant I think none of them wants to none of them knows that none of them would appreciate me saying that but that's gonna happen there's too much goodness in God on each of them to not send them out and change their country but for right now while they're together the best thing that they have is the relationships that they have built together it's so important to have that consistency with the Lord, to seek after him consistently, to chase after him. But you don't just do that alone. You don't do that in your own strength. You do that with other people around you. And I love just getting to watch the relationships. You don't really, you know, they only translate some parts of the service for us. So Sunday at the end of church, uh, Pastor Anani is back up. He's speaking in French or Karundi, um, and he's talking. And I don't know what he's saying, what he's doing. I'm doing other stuff. And, and, and as he keeps talking, it's like the end of service. But, but everybody kind of pairs up. And so my, as best I can tell, he said, all right, find somebody to pray with you. 
But what I saw as I kind of turned around is not just like, you know, somebody standing next to somebody else. Everybody, it's arms around shoulders. They found their best friend and they're just like, we're here together. And then they start praying for each other. And they start inviting God into their lives. And they're, man, they love on each other so well. It's a relational thing for them. Their faith, their life, every aspect. And for us, as we're getting back in the swing of things and school is restarting, that means for us, our small groups are restarting. So we'll we'll continue talking about this over the next couple of weeks. But just wanted to, because I saw it so clearly there, how valuable those relationships are. Just wanted to take a second to remind you about that even here today. That the relationships that you build will so greatly affect the future of your life. So let's make sure we find the right people to be in relationship with. Now, if you struggle with finding those people, we'll help you find a small group that'll walk with you, that'll support you, that'll care for you, that'll pray for you that you can serve alongside and grow with. There's a lot of really great things that God wants to do in your life. And you'll find that most of them will happen through your consistency to show up wherever he is, to say, God, where are you going? I'm going to be there. And they happen through groups, through community. I don't mean small groups. I mean through groups of people. They happen through community. God doesn't often just work in one person. He'll work in a group of people to really ignite the future in a great way. I'm going to invite our worship team back up. And we're going to close in worship. And as we do that, we'll have some of our prayer team up at the cross, some of our group leaders up at the cross. If you need some prayer, they'd love to pray with you. Pray for all that God's going to do in your life and through you. Especially if it's been a season of feeling disconnected. Whether that would be that you've just been busy and not been connected in with what God has for you. They'll pray for that. Or maybe it's just loneliness has been at work in you. I know they'd love to pray for that as well. So let me invite you to stand. And I want to say a quick word of prayer before we worship. And then I'll come back up for closing here in a second. Let me pray for you. Father, I thank you that you are so good to each of us. And so, Lord, we just ask that your presence would be here. Father, we're so thankful, Lord, that as we stand, that your Holy Spirit is at work. So, Father, those who need strength, I invite you to strengthen. Lord, those who need to realign passions, Father, help us to do that in a good and right way. Lord, to seek after you above all things. Father, those that maybe feel in lonely, disconnected, I just pray for your grace, Lord, to come and set in. Father, that you would be here, Lord, to care for those that, that as the God of comfort, they would find your comfort this morning. Jesus, we worship you. You are so good. The Lord, uh, maybe just stay in a place of prayer that that the Lord wants to increase your capacity for his things. And it 
I just saw this picture of us trying to work out our home, our life, our work, our kids, our family. And I feel like God just wants to rearrange it all for you. He'll help you. He doesn't want it to be a struggle. Because in the season we're coming into, you're going to need those things in line. And if you have them in line, there'll be a blessing because your perspective of your life will be in the order it should be. You won't have to work through it. Better to do that work ahead of those things. But as we pray, as we worship here, I just just ask God to increase your capacity and help put in order the things for your life.